what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. And uh, this time around, we are going to get into a sports update. Uh, we are getting into some college football. We're going to take a look into the transfer portal as well as some ball game action. Also, want to get into NFL Week 15. We're going to take a look at the scoreboard, and then we are going to get into some NBA uh, headlines as well. We're going to talk about the in-season tournament or really the fact that I didn't watch it and why I didn't get into it. Uh, then we're also going to get into what's going down with uh, Draymond Green and uh, into some of the Warriors' problems as a whole. I figure I might as well do that. And then uh, we're going to get into some John Morant news as well. So John Morant signing, yes, indeed, he's had his first action of the season so far. We're going to get into that as well. And then uh, we'll see what goes from there. If you're looking to get in touch with me, I will be leaving my link to my instagram in the uh, description for the episode uh, please be sure to check out my youtube channel of course never out of bounds the same name uh, as well so let's go ahead and get into like i said uh, we have the transfer portal going on in college football and uh, we already have some big names on the move first and foremost we have dylan gabriel probably one of the best signal callers uh, so far that have been available uh recent well at least this season uh but he's going to oklahoma to oregon you know and uh this should be an interesting uh pickup here uh but he's been around uh since 2019 uh he started off with ucf uh, he was 16 and 7 as a starter there uh he would lead them to two ball games in 2019 uh he was coming in and backup relief uh but the starter did get injured and he would finish that season 27 uh, to nine in terms of his interception to touchdown ratio. Uh, he would also throw for over 3,600 yards, and he also had a 59% uh, completion percentage. Now, in his first full season as a starter at UCF, he would have over uh, 3,500 uh, yards uh, with a 60% completion percentage, uh, but his touchdown to inter uh, interception ratio would improve to 32-4. and four. Uh, Then he would move on, uh, you know, in the transfer portal for the first time going to Oklahoma uh, that first season season there he would improve uh, you know again uh, this time in uh, completion percentage over 62 percent uh, 25 to 6 touchdown and interception ratio he would use his legs a lot more uh, in his first season there uh, with the Sooners uh, going for about 315 rushing yards and six touchdowns and last season uh, seemed to be one of his best actually his very uh, I would say his best season across the board in certain stats uh, passing yards over 3600 also had a great completion percentage on Almost at 70%. He would throw two, uh, 30 touchdowns as well as rushed for 12 of them. Uh, we also got, uh, uh, well, Oregon was also able to pick up. I want to say his name is Dante. Yeah, Dante Moore. Uh, we got him uh, from UCLA. Actually, he was originally, uh, if I'm not mistaken, committed uh, to come to Oregon. Uh, but he ended up choosing the Bruins. But He's back in the fold again. I think he'll take one more year behind. I think the point. Well, I think the point uh, of him coming will be to take one more year to kind of prepare uh, behind uh, Gabriel, and hopefully he'll take the reins after that. He should be a sophomore 
possibly a junior at that point. I, I don't know how all this works. I don't know if they lose a year of eligibility or not. He could still be a sophomore or whatever. I don't. I forget how this goes. But anyways, we also got Riley Leonard. Uh, he's on the move. He's going from Duke to Notre Dame. Uh, he's had a solid uh, solid career so far with the Blue Devils. 13-8 uh, you know, record as a starter. Uh, he's completed over 61% of his passes for over 4,400 uh, yards. Uh, he's a 24-10 to 10 touchdown and interception ratio. Uh, some other quarterbacks uh, that we have in the mix, we have Cam Ward, uh, DJ Wongale. Uh, at this point in time, at least in my recording, they haven't made a decision just yet. But some other players that we have on the move, we have running back Rocket Sanders. Uh, he's, headed to Arkansas, he's headed from Arkansas to South Carolina. Last season, he had a, a decent season, actually a pretty good season with over 1,400 yards. He could also have 10 touchdowns on the ground. We also got wide receiver Matthew Golden. Uh, he, went, uh, he went from Houston uh, to uh, play for Texas. Uh, he's a number 26 player overall in the portal. Uh, he was the fourth best, fourth best wide receiver in the portal last year. He had 38 catches for over 400 yards. He would also get six uh, touchdowns. Uh, nobody... Um, I think one defensive lineman uh, was out there. I think a defensive lineman, a defensive uh, end, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a defensive tackle. Uh, I think there was a couple offensive linemen, but a lot of skilled players this season. Um, I don't know uh, what Colorado is gonna do. I think they're, I think they're personally looking to, to, to I guess recruit some guys in because there wasn't a whole lot of offensive linemen in the transfer portal for them. Uh, available for them so I don't know what they're gonna do hopefully uh, they get their recruits right but anyways let's take a look at the ball games uh, we have uh, the first one up uh, the Myrtle Beach ball uh, Ohio got it done against Georgia Southern 41 to 21 was the final score Georgia sorry uh, yes Georgia Southern uh, f- finishes the season at six and seven Ohio uh, finishes the year on a good note ten and three uh, their first back-to-back 10-win seasons in school history, so uh, they look to be in a positive trajectory in terms of a program. Uh, but for Ohio, they were led by Parker Navarro. He would go 11-16 for 120 yards uh, and a just a touchdown, so it was a struggle for him, but Ricky Hunt uh, really balled out 115 rushing yards for him, five total touchdowns, four on the ground, one receiving. If I'm not mistaken, he hadn't had a touchdown in about seven weeks or something like that, so uh, it was a good time to go off in the ball game in the postseason uh, to help them cap off another 10-win season. Defensively, the Bobcats will, will force five sacks, excuse me, uh, Bradley Weaver and also Juan Watkins, both of them on the defensive uh, defensive line, will get, you two, uh, will get you two of those each. They will also force five turnovers. For Georgia Southern, uh, it was a struggle overall, uh, but Davis Brin would go 32 of 42, uh, 350 yards in the air, two touchdowns, but he would throw three picks. Uh, we have David Mbandinga, he will score on the ground, and then Derwin Burgess Jr., uh, he'll get you six total catches, 117 yards, he would score, as well as uh, tight end J.J. Uh, McPhee, uh, he will get you a receiving touchdown as well, uh, but it was a struggle, like I said, all over for Georgia Southern, uh, and you know, including on defense, that would give up 230 yards in total on the ground. So, uh, a lot to a lot to look into to improve for the Eagles going into the offseason. Uh, but we have the New York, the New Orleans ball here. Jacksonville State will get the win in overtime versus Louisiana, 34 to 31. Up next, we have the Cure Ball with Miami in Ohio, not Florida. 
course, there's two different Miamis for y'all who didn't know. Uh, but this one is in Ohio. Uh, this this Ohio though, this Miami though, excuse me, they came up short. Uh, Eleven, sorry, nine to thirteen was the final against Appalachian State. Uh, Miami finishes the year at eleven and three though. Really solid record uh, coming from a MAC team, and then we have Appalachian State. They finished the year at nine and five. Uh, both of these teams had a pretty solid year. Like I mentioned before, eleven wins for Miami. Uh, they will also win their conference title. If I'm not mistaken, App State had made it to their conference title game. I can't remember if they won it though. But for Miami, uh, it was you know just tough going offensively uh henry hessen their quarterback would go five of eight for just 16 yards uh we have rashad amos though do, doing something positive for them offensively he would have 180 yards on the ground and a touchdown uh but they were three of three of 11 on third down they also gave up three turnovers that's not gonna get it done in any type of game uh but linebacker ty wise uh he did have a decent game defensively he led the team in tackles with 12 he also will get a sack now for Appalachian State Joey Aguilar will go 19 to 33 211 yards from him he would throw a touchdown but he would score on the ground uh, sorry throw an interception but he would score on the ground we also got Anderson Castle uh, he will lead the team in rushing with 119 yards and then we have uh I think it's Jaden Robinson with nine total catches, 118 yards. Uh, it was a, uh, a sloppy game from Appalachian State, too. They would also give up three turnovers. But defensively, uh, we have uh, Montez Kelly and also Santana Cooper. They would get you two sacks. And then Caden Sullivan would lead the team in tackles with 10. We have the L.A. ball coming up. Uh, we have well, we had UCLA getting it done against Boise State, 35-32. to both these uh, teams finished the year with eight wins. So, you know, pretty positive. Uh, for UCLA, Ethan Garbers would go 9-12 for 152 yards. He would score two touchdowns through the air. Uh, we have Colin Schley here. He would be the t uh, he was the backup quarterback, but he would lead the team in rushing with 127 yards. Uh, he would go 11-17 through the air. He would also score as well. Uh, we have Jamichael Sturdivant. He would get your four total catches for 142 yards and a touchdown uh, and defensively we have Grayson Murphy here with eight total tackles uh, he would also get a sack and then Gabriel Murphy will get a sack as well now for Boise uh, for the Broncos uh, CJ Tiller would go 12 of 21 117 yards but he would throw a pick uh, George Holani uh, will get you 138 yards on the ground and two touchdowns and defensively safety Alex Tubner will get you 12 total tackles let's move on to the independence ball where Texas Texas Tech got it done against Cal, 34-14. We also got Fresno State beating up on New Mexico State in the New Mexico ball, 37-10. And uh, in my favorite ball game so far, the most exciting, at least in my opinion, the celebration ball, um, Florida A&M was able to get it done against Howard, 30-26. Uh, Florida A&M finishes the year at 12-1. Uh, Howard finishes at 500 at 6-6, six six, but... For the most part, at least defensively, Howard did not play at all like a 6-6 six six team. Uh, they forced a lot of three and outs. They forced some turnovers. Uh, and this team looked 
to be up uh, going into the third quarter. Uh, but Florida A&M, they never gave up. They kind of worked their way back. And it was just a really uh, good game back and forth. In my opinion, it was the most exciting. Uh, it's been the most exciting so far of the ball games. But for Howard, Quentin Williams would go 14-27. to 27. Uh, He would struggle. Uh, three interceptions, if I'm not mistaken, uh, three turn three total turnovers, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Uh, but they were able to score. Uh, f- they were able to get production from their, you know, their running game. Jared Hunter, Casey Hawthorne, uh, they were both able to score on the ground defensively. Like I said, they forced a lot of three and outs at least in the first half. Again, generated some turnovers, even a safety at one point. But uh, Carson Hinton, the defensive back, uh, would get you an interception return for a touchdown. He also recovered a fumble. Now for Florida A&M, Jeremy Musa will go 19-32, 289 yards, three touchdowns. He would throw two picks. Terrell Jennings would lead the team on the ground with 68 rushing yards and a touchdown. We also got Kelvin Dean with three total catches, 100, sorry, 87 yards, but he would score twice. And then Ja, uh, ja Murray, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, uh, he will get you five total catches uh, with 56 yards and then a touchdown and then we have Deco Wilson and we also have Kendall Baller and Andre Powell uh, all forcing interceptions so again you know back and forth game at least in the second half from both teams uh, but again it was really exciting you know like I said Howard dominated pretty early went up uh, they even got us I think if I'm not mistaken going into halftime they even got like a, a safety like I mentioned before so they look to be in complete control at one point but just again, the will of Florida A&M, you know, coming back and storming back in the second half. That was a really exciting game. Uh, we have the Bahamas ball here. Uh, but Sorry, we have the Bahamas ball. Old Dominion, uh, they will get it done. Uh, actually, they will come up short in overtime, 38 to 35 38 to 35 excuse me and uh we have in the miami beach ball uh utsa uh they will get it done against marshall 35 to 17 and then oh yeah uh old dominion will come up short against western kentucky i don't know why i couldn't get that out but i need to get that out before i go off to the nfl all that shit so anyways they will come up short uh in the bahamas ball 38 to 35 uh western kentucky finishes the year at 85 old dominion uh t- yeah it was a tough year for them they finished below 506 and seven anyways let's get off to the nfl uh let's talk about some week 15 shit uh, i gotta start off with my game of the week personally uh, my raiders get into that charger ass beat them down embarrassed them it was so bad they had to fire brandon staley the next day final score 63 to 21 chargers take your punk ass home six and eight is our record right now i know we on the outside looking in but it was just good to see us get a win up for rock the way that we did um you know i don't want to get too excited because uh, I was a little bit excited about the, you know, the back-to-back wins that Antonio got. He took over as the interim. I want to, you know, be a little bit tepid. I think that's the right word right now. Uh, but it was a good sign to see. It feel, I, I mean, it feels like we have things, you know. It, but it's, it's that's, but that's the frustrating thing about it, you know. I don't want to get too, you know, bogged down into this game per se, because uh, there's a couple others I want to go through. But, you know. So many seasons, you see these positive aspects of what we can do. You see things, you see flashes, and you're just like, damn, 
why can't it just culminate in just a winning record and maybe just a, a, a playoff appearance? Maybe just going to the wild card a little bit more consistently, just something. Uh, but anyways, you know, uh, it was good to see. Uh, maybe we can win a couple more games and, and push for something. I don't know. Uh, at least finish 500. Uh, but for LA East and Stick, uh, it was a tough game in the first half, but he was able to get it together. Uh, 23 or 32. 200, 257 yards, three touchdowns to just one interception. So uh, the team overall, you know, <laughs> they didn't look good at all. But personally, Stick had a, had a good game for what it's worth, or a decent game. Uh, Joshua Palmer, Palmer would be his top receiver. Four catches from him, 113 yards. He would score. Uh, Quentin Johnson and Alex Erickson uh, will get you some receiving touchdowns as well. And then defensively, Eric Hendricks will get you 12 total tackles and a sack. Uh, for Las Vegas, Aiden O'Connell will go 20-34, 248 yards. He would throw four touchdowns. Again, you know, this was his best game so far. Uh, but again, you don't want to get too, you know, excited because of course i think he played a like the first back-to-back -back wins that we had the first you know couple wins that we had before we had our skid he looked to be solid uh so i think overall this will boost his numbers overall this was a good game uh it, it you know it definitely shows that he's in the positive direction i don't know if he's going to be our quarterback going you know into the future meaning next season if he's going to be our starter but again, this is, again, all positive. Uh, Zamir White, 69 rushing yards. He would score. Devontae Adams, eight catches from him, 101 receiving yards. He would also score. Uh, Trey Tucker, uh, he would get you two receiving touchdowns. And on the, the defensive side of things, Divine, uh, Divine Diablo, 12 total tackles. Uh, he led the team in that part. Uh, and Jack Jones, somebody we picked up, uh, you know, as a free agent, I think at some point, over the course of the season, uh, really, I thought it was a pretty solid move to pick him up. Five total tackles from him. He will get an interception. And then Malcolm Kuntz will get us two sacks. Like I mentioned, Brandon Staley got fired. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman was calling for his head at halftime. You know, it, well, as far as I know, historically, it actually has been done, but a long, long time ago. Uh, but I don't think it was going to happen <laughs> in that game just because, you know, just the logistics of all that. How does team going to finish the game without no coach? I don't know. Anyway, it would have been funny if they did, though. Uh, but moving on, we got the Bengals, who seem to beat up the NFC's teams but can't get wins against their own conference or division. Half the time, 27-24 is the final score against the Vikings. Uh, the Colts get a win against the Steelers, 30-13. Uh, we had the Lions here blowing out the Broncos, 42-17, killing a lot of uh, the Broncos' momentum going into the final you know, a couple of games here. Uh, the Broncos are at 7-7. Seven seven. Uh, they're kind of in the mix. They're at 500 here. Uh, we had the Lions at 10-4. Uh, Russ, uh, he seemed to have looked a little bit off in this game. Didn't, you know, didn't kill his team too much. 18-32, 223 yards. He would score two touchdowns, one on the ground, one through the air. Uh, but that was pretty much it for them offensively. Nothing really to speak of. And then Justin Simmons uh, would be okay on defense. You know, he led the team in tackles. He would also get a sack as well. Uh, and, you know, for the Lions, just another, you know, uh, great offensive game overall. Uh, we have Jared Goff will go off. Scoring five touchdowns, Jameer Gibbs will get you 100 yards on the ground. He would also score. I'm on Ross St. Brown, 
again, at least in my opinion, one of the stories of the season at the wide receiver position, balled out seven total catches, 112 yards, averaging 16 yards a catch. He would also score. We also got Sam Laporte here, three touchdowns from him. Even Jameer Gibbs, again, will get a touchdown catch. So, again, Balling out on the on offense uh, from Detroit. As far as defense is concerned, uh, Alex Anzalone will lead the team in tackles. Twelve total from him. We also got um, your boy uh, Joshua Pascal. He will get you a sack. And also, oh man, I hope I pronounce this right. Ifeatu uh, Melifonu uh, Melifonu. He will get you a sack as well. So. Again, both sides of the ball, Detroit is looking raw. Who would have thought Dan Campbell would have been able to do it this soon? I would have said four or five seasons, but this dude, is he's the truth. He's good. That's thats a real turnaround, man. That's some shit that you like to see, and you're not even a fan of the team, and you're just like, yeah, I don't want to actively root for these motherfuckers. I mean, I don't want to actively root against these motherfuckers. I, I actually want these motherfuckers to win. I want to see how how good they really are. Let's see what happens. Um, we had the Saints here getting it done against the Giants. Uh, you know, easy Easy win for the Saints here. I don't know what happened to the Giants in this one. Uh, 24 uh, to 6 is the final score here. I think both of these teams are around uh, 6 or 7 wins outside looking into the playoffs. But kind of because of the division, because of the conference, the NFC, they're kind of, if I'm not mistaken, kind of in the mix. It's really weird right now. I don't know. Anyways, for uh, New York, DeVito. Uh, not so good of a game. Uh, he would go uh, 20, uh, 20 of 34, 177 yards. Uh, the Giants would only have about 100, uh, really under, they would have under 200 yards offensively, averaging about 3.2 yards of play, 2 of 16 on third down, not converting, not moving the ball. You know, it's shit that ain't going to win your games. Uh, for New Orleans, Derek Carr, competent game from him, 23 of 28, 218 yards, three touchdowns. Demario Davis would show up on defense, uh, 10 total tackles from him, also a sack. And then you have Tano, Tano uh, Kapasagun. Uh, he'll get you three sacks as well. I'm butchering some of these last names I know. Please forgive me. I don't mean to. Uh, <laughs> we got the Browns here getting the win against the Bears, 20 to 17. The Panthers beat the Falcons, 9 to 7, in a game that I don't think no one cares about. Uh, the Buccaneers get a win against the Packers, 34 to 20. Uh, the Dolphins blank the Jets, 30 to uh, 30 to zero. Uh, a Rod. <laughs> Tough break, nigga. You did all that work to get back, and y'all not. It ain't gonna mean shit. Are you gonna retire? <laughs> Are you gonna retire at some point, dude? Uh, the Chiefs get the win here, uh, 27 to 17 against the Patriots. Uh, we had the Texans here. They hold on to get the win against the Titans, 19 to 16. The Niners beat a team who we, sh you know, knew who they were gonna beat. This is no surprise. The Cardinals, 45 to 29. The Rams get it done against the Commanders, 28 to 20. What's going on, DC? Y'all slacking. Y'all looking bad right now. I know my family out there right now just mad at these motherfuckers. I, they don't tell me about going to the game. They don't take pictures no more about going to the I don't see none of them posting at the game. Y'all just don't fuck with them like that right now, huh? <laughs> I'll be mad at them too. They, nah, I'm mad at my Raiders, so I know how I go. I know how y'all go. I know how I go. I feel for y'all. Anyway, the Bills get a win. Uh, 
Sunday night primetime over the Broncos, 31 to 10. The Bills moved to eight and six on the year. The Cowboys dropped to ten and four. Uh, Dak looked very, very boo boo in this one. Twenty one of thirty four, hundred and thirty four yards. He would throw a pick, uh, touchdown, but he would throw a pick. Uh, C.D. Lamb uh, will be a t- actually no, he didn't throw a touchdown. I take that back because C.D. Lamb would score on the ground and not with a touchdown catch. So there you go. He would lead the team in receiving though, seven catches, fifty three yards. But you know, again. Not they didn't amount to nothing because they only had 10 points. Uh, Damone Clark will lead the team in tackles with 11, and then Mozzie Smith will get you a sack. Uh, for Buffalo, Josh Allen will go 7 to 15 for 94 yards. He would score on the ground. Uh, his quotes on his performance, uh, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically described it as the kid who does nothing on the group project but still gets an A. At least he's fucking honest because he really didn't do shit in that game. Uh, James Cook will go 179 yards, 7.2 yards a carry. Uh, he would score on the ground, but he would also uh, get a touchdown, uh, catch a touchdown pass as well. Leonard Floyd and Jordan Phillips will be your standouts on defense, both getting a sack, and then Christian Benford uh, will get you an interception. Uh, we have the Ravens getting done against the Jaguars, 24 to 7 to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, their current record is 11 and 3. The Jaguars are 8 and six at this point uh for baltimore lamar jackson will go 14 to 24 117 yards 171 yards excuse me he would score but he would throw a pick pick uh he would lead the team on the ground though with 97 rushing yards guts edwards would score on the ground isaiah likely i would be your team's leading receiver uh five catches 70 yards he would score kyle hamilton will get you seven total tackles led the team there and justin Justin Madubuiki will get you a sack. Uh, for the Jaguars, T. Uh, Law, 25-43, 264 yards. He would score. Jamal Agnew, uh, two, sorry, 70 receiving yards from him. Also a touchdown catch. And then Andrew Wingard will get you 11 total tackles. Led the team there. And then Rashawn Jenkins will get you six total tackles, a sack, and an interception. And then we had an upset Monday night with the Eagles dropping. I think it's their second in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this time to the Seahawks. 20-17 to 17 is the final score. Seahawks, I think, got it done in the final minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Just kind of cl- clutched it out. Very surprising to see the, the Eagles choke like that. You know, it just can't win them all so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens to these guys they have a two about two more weeks to go can the eagles hold on to a a top seed that's gonna be the question all right y'all i'm gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we'll be getting into the nba a few headlines to go into there and then i'll let y'all go for the night all right y'all i hope y'all like it uh like everything so far i'll be right back all right, y'all, let's get into an NBA update. Uh, we're going to go over a few headlines before we get into last night's action. Uh, first things first, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Draymond situation and the Warriors in general. Now, he has been suspended for a few weeks, uh, basically for punching Yusuf Nurkic uh, last week uh, while flopping. Uh, that's his third suspension this season. Uh, a few weeks ago before that, he had actually tried to choke out Rudy Gobert of the Timberwolves. Uh, of course, he's going to say it was to break up but altercation and i will say this though uh just before i get any deeper i do like how uh not so much the national media but like warriors you know the media that surrounds them even steve kerr uh kind of turned their back on draymond in the past couple of weeks because of 
when he first choked out uh, Gobert, it was like, you know, Kerr seemed to have like an excuse for that. He was almost like kind of backing him up. And then last week, uh, when the suspension came out, uh, the indefinite suspension, he was like, oh, you know, this basically, you know, paraphrasing, of course, basically he's like, oh, man, now this is all detrimental to my team or to the team. And, you know, he's he's putting us at a disadvantage, all this other shit. Like, it seemed like he, like, basically did a 180 on Draymond, which kind of sucked. Um, or I guess a 360 which kind of like is weird um and a lot of the media in general even warriors fans uh like it seemed like when he choked out gobert it seemed like everybody was okay with it at first uh but now with this sudden uh you know suspension and everything for what he did with you know nurkage everybody wanted to get you know up in you know arms or or feel some type of way about it but in reality i mean this is just you know who draymond has been throughout his career i mean he's just the same guy that kicked steven adams in the nuts countless players in the nuts done all type of shit he punched out his own teammate uh you know and you know for y'all to kind of i guess be critical of his situation now um, it's kind of weird to me, you know, I, I mean, I was never, I mean, again, I'm not a Warriors fan per se. I'm not a hater, uh, by any means. Uh, but you know, that's a part of Draymond's game that I've always saw, you know, and I was always at least against that part. You know, I didn't, you know, change up about it overnight or I didn't change my mind on it overnight. I think it's fucked up to kick people in the ball. So, um, I never was cool with some of the antics that he did. Uh, I, totally get being a uh, I guess a leader for the team a vocal leader for the team and you know just I, I just think there's you know personally ways you can go about doing that instead of just being the I guess the I guess the bully of the team and um but again I mean he's he's made it work for so many years and I just find it really weird how everybody wants to jump on this guy now now again like I said I've always been against it but that's I mean again you know, I have always not messed with it. You know, I'm I'm talking about people who were, you know, again, a season or two ago, okay with it, had nothing really to say, and now they seem to have some type of an issue with it. It's like, oh, man, he's really holding us back now. This is really a detriment to the NBA. He's a problem. Well, he was always doing that. So he was those, so was he always a problem, or is he just a problem now that he's older and uh, we're starting to see, at least the Warriors are starting to see some real consequences from that. Uh, now, before he does get back on the court, uh, the NBA has mandated that he takes some type of counseling, I guess, for anger management or whatever. I don't think it's a counseling type of issue, to be honest with you. I just think that's, I mean, again, it's who he is and how he plays basketball. I don't know him personally, so I can't really make any type of, you know, statements outside of that. I can only just go based on what I've seen in, in you know, from him on the court. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's just who he is in terms of basketball. I think there was an altercation with him at some bar a long time ago where he got into it with somebody. But again, that person, if, if I'm, not, if I'm uh, not mistaken, that person that ended up being a quote-unquote victim in that situation by Draymond ended up, you know, inciting that incident. You know, he started that incident with Draymond. So, again, as far as I know, I mean, I just think he's a, a rough guy on the court. You know, for all we know, I'm not saying he's, you know, a chump off of, off the court. But, again, he's probably just, for all I know, of just a regular-ass dude. So, again, I'm not going to jump on this and just say, hey, he's just this terrible person. He's a menace. I just, this has always been a part of his game. I never fucked with it, per se. But I just don't understand the 
the pushback against it now. This is when he's always how he's always been. Um, but it has been a struggle overall for the Warriors. I think uh, not just because of uh, his suspensions, even though they have uh, lost about six games uh, since you know the time he's missed altogether. Uh, we've also seen some younger stars kind of fail to development, uh, fail to develop. Excuse me, like James Wiseman, Jonathan Kuminga. Even Kayvon Looney, to some extent, hasn't taken those, you know, grand steps uh, to become, you know, these, you know, I guess the future for this team. Uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins has recently been put back uh, on the bench. Uh, he's coming off of the bench, uh, you know, as of recently. So, you know, you're starting to see, you know, and of course, you know, Clay, Steph, they're both getting older, Draymond, you know, all three of those guys are getting older. So, again, it's starting to come up. It's starting to, you know come back and bite them a little bit you know them not having Draymond he is of course their defensive anchor he's of course their offensive facilitator uh, you know but rules are rules and you can't you know fuck around and uh, hit people upside the head choke them and I get it uh, but like I said it has been an overall struggle for the Warriors in general this season it's currently 13 to 14 uh, 13 to 14 right now eight games back in the rest in the west excuse me but they work riding a current um, three-game winning streak. Uh, their last game uh, was a win a couple days ago against the Celtics. So, I mean, they, they can get some things together. Um, you know, I've talked to a few different fans, and it seems like uh, they do have some younger players. I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, they do have some younger players stepping up. Uh, you know, uh, there was a, a younger guy that basically took, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins' spot in the uh the starting five so again you do have some positives there uh it looks like they are starting to get some things together again like i said they won three in a row they had a recent team meeting you know of course discussing uh, i'm pretty sure they're discussing the direction of the team and <laughs> what's expected of everybody and you know it's one of those raw raw probably type of deals and i totally get it uh because they need that right now game below 500 uh even though you're riding a three game winning streak uh, you know, you got to get things some, some things together because there's a lot of talk of this, you know, dynasty potentially being over. And I know, uh, you know, as much as I'm not a fan, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a hater. I don't actively root against the Warriors unless they're playing against a team that I like or one of my favorite teams like the Blazers or the Kings. But, uh, you know, I, I, um, I don't actively root against them. But, uh, you know, I think for them, you know, they want to come together and, you know, they want to, you know, again, the, the word on the street is that they're they're done. The dynasty is over. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, Clay and Steph and even to an extent, Draymond must have something different going on in their mind. They want to strive. They want to, you know, defy the expectations. They don't want to just lay around, lay around and wallow and go through this, you know, uncertainty and this dysfunction uh, right now. So uh, I, I look for the Warriors, in my opinion. I think they salvage things. I don't think they fall apart, per se. Uh, they might not be a deep playoff team, uh, you know, as of now. I think that those days might be over. Uh, they might have one, they might, you know, maybe have one more year to shock us or whatever. Uh, but I think they're going to at least compete. They're not going to lay down. I think, still think this team can have a chance to get hot. Steph is still uh, doing tremendous things instead, you know, in terms of scoring the basketball. Uh, Clay was down for a little bit, but it seems to be, it seems that he's kind of stabilizing and having a couple better outings here and there. So, you know, you just need to get hot, need to get warm. And, you know, the Warriors, I've, you know, 
because they predicated themselves on something so streaky like shooting and scoring, you know, I feel like, you know, they, they're going to have their moments when they go down. But when they, they're up again, they're going to be up again. And they're going to, you know, make it, they're going to be making their baskets, you know, fall, uh, you know, and uh, they're going to be, you know, giving a lot of these teams a run for their money even still even with you know clay uh and and you know steph going into their mid and late 30s so you know like i said it's a struggle right now but i think you know after draymond's suspension he gets the chance to kind of reassess uh get his mind right uh you know become the leader that the team has been you know relying on him to be for so long and uh, he'll be able to work it out with Steph, you know, and, you know, they have a good coach with Steve Kerr. Uh, although, again, I just don't like how he, you know, kind of, t- at least in my opinion, you know, we can we can argue about this <laughs> if you feel differently. But I feel like he kind of turned his back on Draymond in the past week or so. But, again, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't count them out per se. Uh, like I said, I don't see them as a favorite to win a title right now. But, I mean, you, you just don't know. Anything could happen and, you know, They've been so prominent for so long that I wouldn't be surprised if they were to get it together. They have, you know, the pieces in play in order to do so. Uh, they have Hall of Fame talent, at uh, least within their two guard, their leaders, uh, you know, Clay and, and Steph, uh, even Draymond to some extent to get them right. So, like I said, look out for them in, in due time. Again, it's been a struggle for just a little bit. Give it a few more weeks for them to stabilize, get Draymond back, figure out who's going to be with them in their, you know, in their push wherever that push is going to lead them to they got to figure out uh, a few of those things so uh look i would say that they do get better as time goes on uh next up i did want to give you guys a brief uh you know uh, my brief feelings about the end season tournament i'm just gonna be honest with you uh i've watched you know games throughout the season you know according you know including uh in season tournament games just not enough of it to really care uh why uh, I think it's unnecessary. Uh, you know, I don't understand the purpose. I outside of the prize money, I don't see what the big uh, stipulations are. Uh, maybe I missed something. Maybe it might have some implications on the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, but for me, it was just you know something to I guess distract the fans and to keep them watching. Uh, you know, early in the season, I guess. Uh, of course, the Lakers won. Uh, again, at the end of the day, what does it really matter? It's not really like you get a championship or anything. It doesn't, you know, give you a guaranteed shot at having a first seed in the playoffs. So I'm kind of figuring out what the deal is. Does it give you home field advantage? No? Okay. Uh, so, you know, as much as I like LeBron, uh, he's one of my favorite players, uh, you know, individually. I'm not going to lie. Him and the Lakers uh, look like some cornballs putting up that banner. You know, uh, in season tournament, really? Like, what? What? It, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like those those tournaments you play like right in the beginning of the college basketball season. Like they had the Hawaii Invitational, and they go to play in Hawaii for about a weekend, and you know, a quick little brisk tournament. You know, that has no meaning. It's just a, you know a way for these teams to kind of meet up with each other. These high marquee teams. You know, you'll see Gonzaga playing off against you know Michigan, and then in the next round they play Florida State or somebody. You know, like is it? Is it really, you know, that important? You know, is it really, you know, what, what is the, what is the, what was the end goal with it? You know, I, I personally 
didn't know and because of that i didn't really spend my time being consumed with it uh, i thought it was a waste of time to be honest with you uh again i do not care that the lakers won <laughs> i don't i mean it just it just it, I, i'm more so concerned uh about you know like the standings in the league right now like who's you know if the season were to end today you know hypothetically who will be going you know i want to know about how the, the regular season you know the actual you know we i want to i want to know how things look come you know march and april you know right now in, in october november i'm not interested about no uh tournament that doesn't really decide anything uh again that was me um but like i said i barely watched it i barely cared and i definitely think the warriors are not the warriors but the lakers look so corny putting up that meaningless banner uh, that's just me that's just me all right, y'all. One more uh, headline to get to. Uh, of course, uh, the Grizzlies uh, have been struggling a lot recently uh, without uh, the you know presence of Ja Morant. Uh, he's been serving a 25-game suspension, uh, and it's like I said, it's been a struggle for them. Uh, they were currently they were actually six and 19 before his return uh, last night. Uh, they will start off the season with six straight losses as well. Uh, now, outside of you know Morant being out due to his suspension. Uh, we the team suffered numerous injuries, including both of their centers, uh, their starter Stephen Adams and their backup Brandon Clark, uh, who will basically both be out for the rest of the season. Uh, their top guards Derrick Rose, Marcus Smart, and even Luke Kennard, who helps out a lot uh, with you know just making some buckets for them. Uh, all three of those guys have been out uh, due to injury as well. Now this has led to struggles, of course, on their offense. They're currently about la actually, actually their last in offense and about twenty. Eighth and assist. Uh, this was their fourth start, their, their worst start in 25 games in about three seasons. Uh, but uh, he did show up. That mean uh, John Moran, he did show up uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, he will lead the team to a win against the Pelicans, who do have a winning record right now. They're 16 and 12. Uh, 115 was the final score in that one. Uh, 115 to 113 was the final score in that one. Uh, John Morant will have 34 points, eight assists, six rebounds. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Desmond Bain will both help him out with 20 points. Uh, so again, uh, time will tell what truly happens with them, but he is back. Um, let's see if that leads to any more improvements. Hopefully they can, you know, get the, get the ball rolling there. Uh, let's take a look, quick look at the scoreboard real quick before we get into these standings. Uh, we have some Eastern Conference action between the Pacers and the Hornets. Uh, Pacers get it done 144 to 113. Uh, we have the Cavs here getting the win here against the Jazz 124 to 116. Uh, the Sixers, they get a win here against the Timberwolves 127 113. Uh, the Sixers move to 19 and 8 on the year. The Timberwolves are now 26. Uh, for Minnesota, Anthony Edwards will be the team's leading receiver. 27 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Carl Anthony Town will do his thing with a double-double. 23 points and 12 assists. We also got Jaden Daniels getting them 21 points. So all around, um, you know, they had some they had some offensive output, but just not enough for what the Sixers brought to the table. And B would go for 51 points, 12, uh, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. Tyrese Maxey will score 35 and get you 5 assists as well. Moving on, we have the Heat getting the best of the Magic. 115 to 106 is the final score. Both of the teams have 16 wins on the year so far. The Heat dropped to 16 and 12, though, and the Magic are 16. Sorry, uh, the Heat are 16 and 10, and the Magic dropped to uh, 16 and 10. For Miami, Tyler Hero will go off for 28 points. He would get you seven assists and eight rebounds. Uh, Bam would help out as well with 18 points and seven assists. We also got five other players scoring in double digits. Uh, just overall, a better shooting night from the Heat. Uh, 
speed. Uh, they will shoot slightly better uh, from the field, 48% uh, compared to the Magic's 46, and then they will shoot a lot better from three, 51% compared to 25% from Orlando. Uh, for Orlando, Cole Anthony will lead the way for them, just 20 points, four assists, three rebounds coming off of the bench, and Franz Wagner, uh, he will get you 15 points, six rebounds, and then five assists. Uh, we also got the Nuggets, they get the job done against the Raptors, 113 to 104. The Knicks get it done against the Nets, 121 to 102. The Hawks will get them a win against uh, the Rockets, 134 to 137, 127. And then the Bulls got the best of the Lakers, 124 to 109. And then to wrap everything up uh, for last night, uh, a couple more games here. We have the Clippers, uh, they get it done against the Mavericks, uh, 120 to 111. The Clippers move to 17 and 10. The, uh, the Mavericks drop to 16 and 11. For LA, Kawhi will lead the way, 30 points from him, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Norman Powell will get you 21 points and 3 rebounds. And James Harden will get you 17, 11 assists, and then 5 rebounds. For, of course, uh, Dallas, uh, Luka will lead the way uh, with 28 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, triple-double. And then we have Tim Hardaway Jr. getting you 21 points and then 3 assists to add to that. Finally, we got the Celtics beating up on the Kings, 144-119. The Celtics improved to 21-6. The Kings dropped down to 16-10. For Boston, uh, they were led by Derek White and Jalen Brown, who will both uh, have 28 points. Uh, Jay, uh, Brown will get you 6 assists and 5 rebounds as well. And then uh, Derek White would add 7 assists to his totals. Porzingis will get you 24 points and 9 rebounds. And then we have Drew Holiday here uh, with almost a triple-double. 21 points, 10 assists, and then also 8 rebounds. The uh, Celtics will shoot over 50% from the field and from the 3. They would also out-rebound re out the Kings 50-37. to 37. Uh, For the Kings, they were led by De'Aaron Fox. 29 points from him, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. Keegan Murray and also Damanis Sabonis would get you 13 points. Uh, Sabonis would add 10 rebounds and also 8 assists uh, to his totals. Let's take a look at the uh, standings real quick. We have the Celtics here at 21-6, and 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, we have this, uh, the Bucks here right behind them, a game back. 8-2 and two in the last 10 as well, but they're riding a 5-game winning streak. Uh, we have the Sixers here at 19-8, and eight, the Magic at 16-10, and 10, the Knicks and uh, sorry, the Knicks are here at 16-11 and 11, and then we also have the Cavs and the Heat tied at 16-12 and 12, and then at the bottom here of the conference, we have the Pacers here at 14 and 13, 5 and 5 in the last 10, but they are, they have lost four straight, so they're in a downturn. Uh, we have the Western Conference here with the Timberwolves on top, 20 and 6, 8 and 2 in the last 10. The Thunder are here, 17 and 8, back to back wins for them. We have the Nuggets here in the third place spot, 19 and 10. The Clippers are 17 and 10, uh, riding high with a nine game winning streak. We have the Kings here at 16 and 10, the Mavericks here at 16 and 11, and at the bottom of the, of the conference, we have the Pelicans. Kings at 16 and 12, and then the Lakers at 15 and 3. All right, y'all, before I let y'all go, I did want to get into some comments by some, uh, you know, some, some sports figures over the past couple of weeks, and I guess I saved it. Well, what originally prompted me to say something uh, was when I heard uh, Cam say what he said about the current, some of the current quarterbacks in the league, and then... Uh, a couple of days ago, I come across some comments made by, you know, Kevin Garnett. And I guess this is why, I, you know, held it for my basketball segment. Uh, that was pretty much what made, what prompted me to say what I'm about to say. Uh, recently, I came across this uh, excerpt from a podcast with uh, Paul Pierce, KG, right? They're going about, about the top five players currently in the league right now. 
Now, uh, Paul Pierce had his list, which I totally respect. I get it. Uh, they it's a reflection of the reflection of the who's who, uh, at least of the younger guys getting getting in, getting into their prime uh, in the league right now. Like guys like Doncic, I remember him mentioning uh, Jokic, of course, uh, Embiid, uh, guys of that nature, right? Guys that you would be okay with, you know, accepting as probably top five. Uh, of course, Kevin Garnett. He has he had his opinion, and uh, I don't. It's not the opinion in this situation that I don't agree with. Much like I disagree with Cam's opinion, um, it's more so how KG went about it, you know. And um, it's okay to have a disagreement with somebody. Um, you can disagree with uh, with somebody about any little thing, and I get it, you know. People, you know, have their own train of thoughts, their own backgrounds that lead to their own decisions and, you know, how they feel or what they would, how they just think, how their mind operates. So I totally get him having a, a different opinion. Of course, KG, uh, he, want, he, well, he considers LeBron to be one of those top five, if not the top player, which, hey, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, uh, which is all a lot of this is. You know, we look at the facts and we look at the numbers, we look at the win and loss records, and we look at the accolades, personal accolades, and then we make a decision. Uh, and that becomes, you know, yes, uh, to say that LeBron is, you know, a MVP winner, that is a fact. To say that he's won NBA titles, that is a fact. When we start saying he's the best player right now, he's the best player of all time, uh, let's be real here. That's starting to get to become an opinion, okay? So, you know, it is what it is, and you are entitled to it. You know, KG is entitled to how he feels about LeBron. Uh, LeBron is about 38 years old. Uh, he's doing these impeccable things in the league. He recently, you know, uh, passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points scored in NBA history. He has a lot of things going for him. Uh, his legacy, you know, is set in stone. Uh, there's nothing any of us could say to take that away from him. But, you know... And I get feeling passionate about certain things, uh, you know, having having emotion. Uh, but it's a totally different thing than to, you know, go after a co-host or slander. Uh, not slander them, but disrespect them in such a way that's just like, what the fuck? It's off-putting, you know. And a lot of people will say, oh, this is who Kevin Garnett is. This is why we like him. This is this. Uh, you know, and that's cool for you. You know, you might like that shit. Uh the, a lot of people who are probably saying that they're okay with that shit don't have to get some don't have to deal with him face to face or don't have to have somebody talk to them like that uh face to face because personally for me i i don't care if we were talking about the weather don't ever call me no bum ass nigga no cupcake ass nigga just because you disagree like that's so fucking weird i think that's the biggest thing that that i took away from the argument outside of just his opinion which is for one that's his thing uh it's LeBron currently a top five. If you think so, you think so. I personally, uh, I think he's his 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 spot in general is solidified. He's top you know top five of all time. I think at the current point in time, I think when we say look at the top five current players right now, it's it's okay to look at the younger guys. It's okay to look at the guys like Anthony Edwards and compare those guys to each other. It's okay to look at Embiid and go, yeah, he might be the top of you know 
the, the five or, you know, he might be the top five of the, you know, the new school, the new guys. Uh, it's OK to say that it's OK to give LeBron his flowers, but make time to acknowledge others. Just because LeBron is great, just because LeBron has accomplished what he's accomplished does not mean we get to sit here and either take away from other players or outright shit on them because, oh, because of LeBron. That's not the way to do it. I don't think LeBron would want you to do that. Uh, you know, MJ, as, as egotistical as he is, I don't think he would need you to do that for him, for his ego. I think uh, Kevin, you know, got carried away. Uh, but it is what it is. He's supposed to be emotional. That's who, you know, they label him as. That's who they respect him as. I'll drop that. Okay. Uh, bottom line is if you think Braun is top five right now, you can be right for that. It's an opinion. If you think, you know, your top five might consist of Trey Young, Luka, you know, Jokic and the younger guys like a D. That's fine, too. Uh, you're not a bum-ass nigga for thinking that. You're not an old head for thinking, you know, and rolling with Braun. I mean, they could be a, you know, it is just an opinion. <laughs> so, you know, for him to go all the way into left field with that, it was just really weird, you know, to see, you know, him function with another brother like that, you know. And, uh, you know, we're always talking about how we want to be, you know, more, I guess, more cooperative with each other and put on an effort of, you know, I guess co cohesion amongst each other. I, I don't think that that helps in any way. You know, I just thought it was you know poor taste, way out of box. Uh, you see, you know, Pierce there trying to hold it in because he, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it takes a it takes it takes a really professional motherfucker to let somebody talk to you like that. And I gotta give him props for not just getting into it as well. But goddamn, you know, you know what's this one a motherfucker laying on laying in on me like that over some basketball? I'd snap personally myself and I would have something to say. So all the power and respect to Paul Pierce for not going there. Again, you know, KG, you're an OG. Uh, that's not to put you out there and put you down. It's just what it is. It's just it's just crazy to hear you go off like that over something petty like basketball. It's just like what the fuck, bro? It's not that serious. <laughs> it's just what it is. And then of course, uh, I needed to address, before I let y'all go for real, for real, I needed to address what Cam said real quick. Uh, I know it's not basketball related, but again, uh, this is what led me into even thinking about going after these comments or, you know, commenting, uh, you know, on this. You know, Cam, uh, recently, uh, he was on his podcast talking about, like I said, you know, some of the more current uh, contemporary quarterbacks right now, Dak, uh, Brock Purdy. Etc. Uh, even Tua Tagovailoa, uh, being these game managers, uh, being these guys that weren't special, and uh, I'm just going to tell you why. Just off the top, my my main reason why I don't I take what he says for a grain of salt. He had an opportunity uh, in the grandest stage in his whole career uh, to do something for his team, and I'm not saying him jumping on that fumble would have saved. The, the game for the, for, the, for this team would have won them the Super Bowl that year, but it was definitely something that everybody saw him not do. He did not take the chance and put his put his soul and his body on the line in the highest moment of his career. Uh, he couldn't jump on a fucking fumble. So a lot of what he's gonna, a lot of what he says about anybody trying to be critical of this player, particularly other quarterbacks, I don't want to hear it. Outside of his 2015 season where he won the MVP, he never threw for more than 30 
30 touchdowns. And we have somebody like Brock Purdy who leads the league, I think it was in path or second, uh, in either passing touchdowns or passing yards, but he's second to last in passing attempts, which means he's efficient as fuck. He can play, but he's just efficient. He has a great overall team around him. Now, football is a team sport, and, you know, again, you know, Cam fell off. Some of that could have been his because of his team around him, whatever, and his injuries, of course. But bottom line is, Cam fell off the fucking face of the earth faster than probably anybody I've ever seen in in those strat in that stratosphere, you know. And let's be real here: despite having a great 2015 season, could you ever really say he was an elite quarterback? Now we could look at his numbers and some of his records. A lot of his records have to do with him being able to run the ball as well. It's total yards and stuff like that, rushing yards for a quarterback, you know, things like that. Uh, so you know, he was like a Michael Vick, you know, just a bigger Michael Vick. But it wasn't like he was a great quarterback either. So he never led the league in passing. Never led the, led the league in passing touchdowns. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where he comes off saying anybody is a a you know a game manager. He was a glorified one, if if that's the case, you know, particularly in his you know particularly any season that wasn't 2015. If you look at the numbers, they're quite. I mean, in a way, they're in a way pedestrian. Outside of him being able to run the ball a little bit, his passing numbers are very pedestrian. And, you know, I I hate to say it, but I think somebody like Brock Purdy will probably end his career with more passing touchdowns, more passing yards. Uh, you know, we could talk about it, the one playoff run that he had, which was a deep playoff one run for Cam, but it was only one. You know, if you want to crown him for that, then crown him. Give him, a, give him, give him a Hall of Fame for that. Give him a gold jacket for the bare minimum that he did, really. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, him and Kaepernick quarterback-wise are the most overrated of the 2010s. So I know people are not going to want to hear that. You know, they want you to go along with, you know, some of these narratives out there. And, you know, it, it's so it's so weird. And it just almost feels like, you know, and I'm going to take this last shot here. And I feel like football is more fraternal in a way. So you won't hear so much about I don't think there's a push, a lot of pushback with certain players because of, you know, who they are it's more so how they played or whatever but in basketball it seems like you know particularly with last year with Jokic the Jokic and NBA argument it almost seems like a lot of black people uh, that are involved with media want to push this race-based narrative uh, that Jokic somehow can't be you know you know I guess touted or highly respected because he's a white player in a predominantly black sport uh, bottom line is if the man could hoop the man can ball he should get all respect the same thing with Brock Purdy and also guys like even Jared Goff I understand that they're not you know world beaters just yet particularly with you know uh, Purdy who's just you know now developing himself just now in the league you know Goff has been around a while uh, but again uh, you know a game manager really coming from somebody who let's be real here you know if I'm not mistaken I'll, I'll go out on a limb Brock's Purdy's numbers this year will be better than Cam's numbers in just about any year. I can I can bet on that. I, I'm willing to bet somebody on that. I bet you, I bet you, Brock Purdy will have better numbers or have par, uh, numbers on par, if not better, than Cam's MVP season. And if we look at Purdy's career in general, you'll see that his numbers passing wise are will blow out, will blow Cam out of the water. 
a lot of these guys will have numbers like that. Even Dak. Dak just needs to have some uh, postseason success. If he wins, if he if he's able to win him a, a Super Bowl title, in my opinion, uh, you know that would clear him of uh, Cam Newton. That's just me. Since Cam ain't got none. Okay, that's just my opinion. You know, dumb takes deserve to be uh, criticized and. That's what I'm gonna do here. All right, y'all. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to like, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Subscribe here. Uh, of course, please be sure to check out my uh, YouTube channel, uh, Never Out of Bounds, the same name as the podcast. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. As far as what's going on in the future, I am working on that upon further review uh, for uh, Heat, uh, starring Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. That'll be going up on the YouTube channel pretty soon. As far as what I got going on on the podcast, we have some baseball news to talk about. I want to get into the C.A. Otani signing. Uh, of course, we have some college basketball that I do want to get into. And, of course, some, you know, local or international news, some stories that we might need to get into. All right, y'all. Uh, this is your man, L. Jamal, signing out for now. I'll holler at you guys later.